Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience. How are you planning on spending the holiday weekend? How am I planning on yes. spending the holiday weekend? I mean, apart uh, from aboard the love boat in your mind. Well, yeah, I will definitely be on the love boat in my mind. I'll be on the Lido deck. But since I can't be on the Lido deck, I will be on a beach in northern Michigan at my mm. mother's house. And what will you be doing? I don't know yet. Be at Pirate's Cove? Oh, I wish. I wish. Um, no, uh, we're not allowed to set off fireworks anymore since I inadvertently traumatized um, the neighbor's child. Oh, well played. Yeah. I'm trying to get, I was like, oh, this will be fun. We'll get some very cheap. I, I'm not used to living in a state still where fireworks are legal. Oh, really? Yeah. You're not legal in your home state? In Massachusetts. No, no, no. You got to drive to New Hampshire for that kind of nonsense. Really? Uh, but Pennsylvania, <laughs> they, they practically put them in your cart at the shopping, at the grocery store. Yeah, they do here now, too. Everyone and, was sick of losing all the sales to Ohio. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't, I, I like, I'm more presentation than pop, you know? Give me sparks. They don't like loud pieces. Correct. Don't, you know, give me showers of sparks. Give me uh, that kind of thing. And yeah, that's all I want. And a good soundtrack. Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not it's Ray Charles singing America the Beautiful doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. But it's it very be. odd to me that so often the, um, the uh, oh my gosh, the grand finale of fireworks displays mm-hmm. are so often either the Marseillaise or mm-hmm. the 1812 Overture. I'm not sure if either of them are really the best choice. I see your point. I feel like Again, this is my uh, prejudice coming in, but I feel like Boston with the Pops, they always end on the 1812 Overture. Well, they, so does the DSO, yeah. You know, do, do they get churches from around the city to ring bells at the end? No. Well, okay, well, there you go. So when the French come in, they they have all the churches ringing. It's, it's a lot of fun, and then they're shooting off guns. and Yeah. It just it makes you want to go invade somewhere. But there's that. Yeah, no, that's true. There isn't really a good, but I don't think, you know, America the Beautiful is not the best song to be lighting off fireworks to or exploding we things. Don't, we don't really have the best, like, no. close it out to. This is why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. I guess uh, start with our drink, start with the bummer part of it. Um, condolences on the passing of your TV father. Oh, thank you. Amazing, amazing tributes and things you've said about him. Like, oh, thank you. The best. Thank you. He's, you know, he ha- he really has been like a dad to me. So I've been super lucky to to know him in that way. And it's this is a tough one. Hmm. And especially, I feel like when we talk to Ted Lange, it sounds like you're all still really close and stay in touch with you, with each other as well. Super close. Um, we all just saw each other the other day. Um, uh, we'll see each other at the services. I mean, I'm I'm besides Gavin, the person that I'm closest with is probably then Ted Lange. Um, mm. He's like my brother. Um, and, uh, but I'm close with all, and then uh, Lauren Tweez, she's like a sister, uh, you know, I can't, it's hard to pick because we're all, <laughs> you know, we, I grew up with them. 
So they'll say they grew up together, but I grew up too. Yeah. Well, and it's and Ted, Ted may or may not have warned you that I'm a super fan. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was, uh, I, I celebrate his birthday every year with a coworker, a former colleague of mine. And I wanted to be you or at least be your best friend. Cause we're close in age. Aww. Um, but it was so amazing to when we met, to, met him and now to talk with you to hear that everything fans hope and dream is the case with the cast is true. You know, that that love is so real and that's so rare. You never find that. Yeah, it is. It's very rare. Um, we were, you know, that every, that has everything to do with Gavin and Bernie who were the senior members who kind of set the tone for everybody. And, um, you know, this is, this is, we are not the stars of the show, the boat, the ship is the star, the guests are the stars and we are, we're the hosts. And that's kind of the way they set that tone. And and we all followed through and nobody was ever given the opportunity to run, uh, you know, rogue or anything like that with their egos. And, um, you know, and also because by the end of this show, we had traveled together six weeks a year in tight quarters you pretty much weed out anything that doesn't fit within the parameters of that group for the most part. So in that regard, um, not just the cast, but the crew, we all became so close. Um, the lady who does our body makeup, who just turned 100, um, she's still around, Wow, uh, still one of my dearest friends. We had lunch for her birthday the other day. Um, I know our makeup artist, Larry Dar, um, Lauren Twees talks to all the time. So we do, uh, you know, one of the executive producers, personal assistant is still to this day, one of my best friends. So there were some really lasting long relationships um, from, from the nature of the show being the way that it was. I think traveling like that really made us closer. Yeah. Travel will either make a relationship or it'll kill it. I yep. mean, in any sense of the word, for yep. sure. For sure. <laughs> yes. And some very you, good friends I will never share a hotel room with. That would be oh the God. end. Yes. I hear you. I, mm-hmm. Well, you learn a lot about people that way. You really, really do. What they're willing to put up with, how spontaneous they can be, how high maintenance they are, how breezy they are. You know, it's all. And you had done tv before that i know you've been on fantasy island and a few other things so you had some experience on a set and in particular a tv set when you got to the set of the love boat was it different did you get that vibe early on you know it's hard for me to say because i i had done a little work prior to but i mean i was only 11 so (laughs) the amount of work i did, (laughs) did was not you know a lot but um it was all new for me. So uh, I didn't really notice a difference so much. Um, and at that age, all I really looked at was how much fun it was. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, obviously, it, you know, during the time there and you've met so many different people, saw all these things and so many different elements of the show are resurfacing again like I said I I still watch it all the time and grew up watching it like Mm -hmm. my whole dream was to 
be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, but only <laughs> so I could go on the love boat. So I love the route you're taking. Oh, well, it's all part of the master plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a whole plan. It was going to have it all figured out. Then you and I were going to be best friends, and you would probably have to tell me to change my outfit because that outfit's not appropriate when you're not cheerleading. But um, <laughs> but even just recently, you know, with um, the <laughs> with the new Halston series, the episode with all the designers, and you get to meet all the designers. Like it's amazing the experiences that you had so young yeah how did that shape the future for you and your Um, your outlook on the world that's a great question and I'll answer it the best I can but uh under the um the frame of it's the only experience I had so it's it's hard for me to compare it to anything else um but I mean I'm sure it shaped me a lot about who I am and and I will say one of the the greatest things that I learned, which I really didn't figure out um, until I had my own kids and I had them travel with, with me, is being able to travel so much and being exposed to so many different cultures at such a young age really did help shape my view of us as a global community rather than just Americans. And I see that with my kids now because I've been able, I've been fortunate enough to be able to take them to a bunch of different countries so that they can as well understand that we, you know, we're caretakers of this country for a small time, but globally we have to interact and we have to understand that we are all together part of the human race. It's not, you know, France and um, Germany and America, and they're all separate, you know, we're all people. And I think we're seeing that more now than ever before with the pandemic and all of the vaccines and having to rally together. I think it's really interesting, but I think that's probably what, what has shaped me the most. You know, one thing I've heard in the past in, in speaking with people who got into acting or, or entertainment at a younger age was that they didn't completely appreciate some of the folks that they were around. And the love boat, of course, <clears throat> was well known for having these insanely you know, successful and famous and, you know, I think you could say legendary guest stars. Oh yeah, for sure. Was there a certain season where you're suddenly like, that's Betty Davis? Or was it just always sort of a, that's just someone that everyone else is fawning over? No, I was. Not that Betty um, Davis is the kind of person who would maybe not let you fawn over her. (laughs) (laughs) If I had met her, I secretly would. (laughs) Um, But no, I, um, I was fortunate enough to have a love of old movies when I started. So um, that's what I watched on the weekends. I mean, I might've watched, you know, Olivia Newton, John and Grease, but I was also watching Olivia de Havilland and Gone with the Wind. See, we would be best friends. This this is exactly what I was watching. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. Same, same. You know, the Thin Man series, all of those. So Olivia de Havilland played my aunt in Love Boat, which was crazy. Ethel Merman was on the show. She played Fred Grandy's mother, but I was a, a singer. I am a singer and my, I was a Broadway baby. And so that was, she and I were pen pals. And then, um, God, my brother is an incredible artist. And so we had Andy Warhol on, which was crazy. Um, just insane. Um, and so <laughs> when I was in New York, uh, I was shopping in a store and one of his uh, assistants tapped me on the shoulder and asked, are you Jill Wheel? And I said, yeah. She said, 
I work for Andy Warhol. And if he knew you were in New York, he would love me to bring you down to the factory. Would you mind coming? I was like, ah, uh, yeah, let me get a cab. Let's go. And so I got to go down there. Right, and like right now. Right then. No, literally, we went right then. And Andy gave me a tour uh, of the factory and signed some posters for my brother. Um, you know, so so there was, I was very lucky that I did have an appreciation. And I'm glad I was young enough to not understand the the weight of how famous they were. I just knew that I loved them from all the movies that I watched. Uh, I had paper dolls of old movie stars, like of Joan Crawford. And, you know, I mean, so I was really, really into it. Um, but when I was older and I had kids, my, um, my eldest, who's 26 now, was, I don't know, probably six years old. And I did an episode of, um, not murder, she wrote the Dick Van Dyke TV series. Um, Diagnosis murder. Thank you. I knew murder was in there. Um, and, but I had never worked with him before. And I remember working with him on that. And for me, now I was not looking at him through my eyes as a child but through my child's eyes from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I could barely get a word out. I was so just in awe of him and just who he was and what he meant to my child. That um, So I'm glad I didn't have children when I was a child because I wouldn't have been able to get through a scene with anybody. <laughs> like, never mind. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. And then down the road, you you sort of flipped the script in your your role in entertainment and went into more of the production side and the events and all that stuff. How did that transition come about? Well, when Love Boat ended, um, I decided that, uh, you know, there's a, just a thing about living in Hollywood where you're only as good as your last job. And so at 19... I didn't like the way that felt. So I decided I'm going to go to college and I went to England and I went to college there for a while, came back to Los Angeles, said, Nope, still don't want to be here yet. Moved to New York and had a friend who was in production who said, if you really want to empower yourself in this business, you need to learn the other side. So that's kind of how that came about is I wanted to learn the other side of it. And it's been beneficial because um, the business has changed so much. There's so many other venues and so many options for content that it's important that you are proactive in creating your own content, especially when you get to women of a certain age, you know, there's just not the, the work out there unless you create it yourself. So in that respect, it was a really, really great piece of advice. Yeah. I got a, did you see, did you, how have you seen the roles change? with stuff coming to you before you kind of really move towards uh, self-actuating some of these things? Um, again, that's kind of, because I took a break. Right. When I had my kids, I just, it, for me to be the kind of parent I wanted to be, which was completely interactive in um, the PTA and in fundraising for, for the kids' schools and all of that stuff, it just... Um, I couldn't figure out how to make it all work together. So I, I took a break uh, on camera and, and, and that was, you know, my kids are amazing people. I'm, you know, knock on wood every day that they're, they're good kids. And I think a lot of it is because I was with them every second and 
interested mm-hmm. in their lives. And even when they were in school and they might pretend they're embarrassed to see me on their campus, they knew that mom was there and mom is supporting them and their education and engaged in their life. And I felt like that was so much more important than me being on camera. So, but now I'm back doing it and I've produced a a show that I co-wrote with my writing, one of my writing partners. um, And that's really fun. It's an all female crew, except for our director who is Ted Lange himself. And, um, He's just an amazing, he's just, first of all, he's an amazing human being, but Mm -hmm. second of all, he's an amazing, talented director. Um, Besides being a brilliant uh, script writer, he's written some beautiful plays uh, and just a fantastic historian. So I can't say enough about Teddy Bear, but um, uh, yeah, so, so, so that's kind of how it morphed into that. And that was me kind of dipping my toe back in the water and doing a bunch of episodic stuff like that. So my youngest is now going to be 16 in um, a few weeks. And so I can kind of really get back into it more, which is what I've started to do. And so used to having everything in front of them right away, that we forget that innovation just takes time. I, I myself, I get frustrated too. Why? And you know, this is being one of my best friends is, Hey, I talk to you all the time. Hey man, I'm frustrated in the fact that I can't seem to just get there in Mm -hmm. the next day, but that's just not how these things work, right? Innovation needs to be planned out. It needs to be very methodical. And then when it finally hits, that's when it seems like to everyone else that it, it sort of just came out of nowhere. But to you, you know, the amount of dedication that it took over that time. That's awesome. That's it's so it's so funny with both of you, like our not to go back to, you know, my doting over you guys, but it's so true. Like on top of the it's, you know, everyone credits, of course, like Aaron Spelling and all of that and all the wonderful things that the shows that came together. But the fact that the people who that all of these amazing people, like this whole group of you all happen to find each other because in five minutes talking to Ted, in five minutes talking to you, you just emanate both of you, this incredible spirit about you. And it's just like this little, like the love was like this little slice of heaven where all these amazing people with these great souls just ended up. Oh, that's, that's the so sweetest cool. thing to say. Thank you. So can you talk about this new project you mentioned? Where is it set? Oh, okay. So the new project is called Take It From The Top. (laughs) And it is, um, it's so loosely based on my life, but kind of, kind of based on my, my life. It's, it's about a childhood actress who grows up, marries a guy, has two kids. Um, He turns out to be, well, they've grown apart. And um, he's too immature and he's never grown up. So she divorces him and marries a very wealthy guy who ends up dying. And she finds out he's been having affairs on her. And what she thought she was going to be set up very well, she realizes that all that he's basically been a horrible businessman and lost everything. And the only thing left, which you find out in the first episode, is that uh, she has to sell everything and auction everything else off and then move into the rundown one bedroom apartment which is above this the rundown strip club 
and that's all she owns. So she decides she's going to turn it into a cabaret. So that's kind of the premise of, of the show. And we've shot and produced one full episode before COVID. And then during COVID, we actually shot stuff with people's cell phones and they shot it in their own house in front of a green screen. And my son is an editor, so he edited everything together. And we have these little modular between three and seven minute episodes um, that we did for a while on uh, on YouTube. So you can find it if you go to YouTube and type in, take it from the top, Jill Whelan, it'll take you to the link and you can watch all of the episodes. How did, or when did you come up with that concept of we need to do something? No one knows how long this is this lockdown's going to be, we're actors, we should act. I mean, it seems like it's got a bit of a Mickey Rooney, let's put on a show type feel to it. Completely. And that's what, that was kind of it. We were sitting there. Uh, I was sitting on my couch thinking everybody's searching for content because we're all at home and we can't do anything. We should just be putting this out there for fun for no, just give it a shot, see what happens. And it was fun for a while. It was fun for my son because, um, he does sports editing and he wants to get back into where his degree is, which is um, scripted content. So for him, it was fun to have to try to work with green screens and everything. So you can totally see the evolution of the way we wrote for green screen and the way he edited. Um, so it is, it's kind of, you know, there's definitely an evolution in the quality <laughs> from the, um, from the um, COVID shooting schedule. <laughs> so, are you back to being on set or you still? No, not at the moment. Um, at the moment, um, I'm in the midst of putting together a bunch of pitches for some non-scripted content that I'm working with as well. I have four shows that uh, we are in either in development with or pitching wise, some at HGTV, some at Discovery Plus, so on and so forth. So we're we're doing that at the moment. And um, when things fully open up, we'll get out and we will try to sell the show, but we don't want to, I don't think we're going to shoot anymore until we sell it. Mm, so this sense. is kind of almost like proof of concept kind of feel, but we'll see what happens. Have you found, do you enjoy this and in, in this sort of worrying and about every little detail of a production or do you prefer to just show up on set? Or is it like you now look back and go, man, it was so much easier to just walk on set and just have to remember my lines. Oh, that is way easier. <laughs> <laughs> and the pay for that was so much better than the pay for this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I am, um, one of the things I know about myself is I'm not completely detail oriented. And so I know that I need to surround myself with people who have that amazing talent. Um, I am uh, always ripe with ideas and concepts, but I need um, I need the string to my kite. So that's kind of who I my producing partners are. They 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 I think of something and then they make it happen. That's fortunate that you found them. Yeah. Well, I, otherwise it would just be me talking about some ideas that never came to fruition. So <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you enjoy, still enjoy cruising? Do you, can you go on one without people making cracks the entire time? Oh, I, first of all, I 
so love cruising. I just, it's in my blood. I mean, even before I was on that show, my dad had a sailboat. So I've been on the water since I was in diapers. So for me, it's amazing. And, and when I do try, I work for princess cruises, um, as one of their brand ambassadors. And so in doing so, whenever I'm on a cruise, I'm, I'm there for work. Mm -hmm. Um, a nice day at the office i will tell you um, <laughs> yeah but so so there's always people um talking and and you know what it's they're so nice they're just they're lovely they talk about how this was one of the only shows they could watch as a child with their grandparents and a way that they bonded and so for for all of us in my all my castmates we are always so touched and grateful that people are so lovely when they think back to the show, uh, we don't have, uh, you know, it's not like we were on a soap opera where people walk up and go, I hate your character, <laughs> no. which is a success if you're doing that on a soap opera, but right. they're, you know, it's, it's always lovely and they always are nostalgic when they talk to us. So I, I have no problem with, with people coming up and saying, hello, I, I'm, I'm flattered. I think it's wonderful. And, and I feel that way about so many shows that I grew up with. So I get it. Mm -hmm. Do you ever work the phrase exciting and new into your conversations when you're on a ship? Um, I, I have been known to on a ship. Uh. I mean, you know, it's low hanging fruit, but. <laughs> Very much so, yes. Nonetheless, just as sweet. <laughs> as that, as a kid, thinking back to like being a kid on the show, was there ever like that one sort of dreamy guest star you hoped to get on? Um, well, there were so many, um, uh, I mean, I was a kid, so there's that, but um, all of the adults, well, Ted McGinley, first of all, I always thought was just dreamy. And then he got to be a regular castmate and that was crazy. And I adored Ted. Like, like I would, Heidi. Oh no. Oh, again. Frozen. Heidi. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, please come back. Oh, we can kind of hear you. Sort of. Hmm. This is bizarre. Huh. Oh. oh. Oh, okay. All right, Heidi, we see you. You're going to be, are you on me? There here. we go. Okay. Just, oh, yay. Okay. Five more minutes. Yes. I did your Ted McKinley's great. I love Ted McKinley. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been vying for Sean Cassidy, um, Parker Stevens. Oh, yeah. Uh, Parker Stevenson wanted everyone. Parker Stevenson was on the love boat and he was adorable. Love Parker. Um, I actually wasn't Sean Cassidy that I worked with, but his brother played my love interest and, yes. and Patrick. And, and that was fun. You know, you know, it's weird because they were older than me and just old enough that it was a little uncomfortable, but they were such super nice, amazing people. So, I feel like we can't let you go without asking about the scene in airplane. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> 
did you, I mean, I obviously you didn't know what that was when you were doing it. It, I just, how funny was that on set? Um, you know, I think that everything on set when we were there, I mean, after every take, people were just in, in laughter after everything, you know, and all the crazy mm -hmm. fun lines, like, you know, Tylenol or a hospital, what is it? You know, that whole thing. Right. with sick people, but that's not that, you know, all of that stuff was super funny. The blow up doll, the autopilot was mm -hmm. hilarious. Kareem Abdul-Jafar was great. So, you know, it was just a very um, fraternal kind of atmosphere there in a, in the most positive way, just, it was a happy set. Everybody was laughing all the time. So um, in, in that regard, it was, it was really fun. But again, I was so young that when I wasn't on the, it's not like when I would be done with a scene, I would just sit on the set with everybody else. I had to go straight to the school trailer right? and do my, get in my three hours for the day. Mm. So um, I was a little separate in that regard. And I'm sure I missed out on a, on a lot of tomfoolery. <laughs> that is excellent. Heidi, do you have any other questions before you break up again? No, because every, every <laughs> time, right. Every time I open my mouth, I, I ruin the, it, it like falls apart. So no, I will <laughs> let it go. And I will let Jill go enjoy her day. I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk to us. I apologize that my internet is misbehaving. Oh my gosh, don't even worry about it. It was fun to talk to you both. It's so fun to reminisce. Yes, it's it's got to be a little bit easier when you do look back so fondly on these things, when people want to say, hey, can we talk about this? It's not like you're they're asking you to play Stairway to Heaven again. Like it's something you, you really enjoy and, and takes you to a nice place every time you think about the show and your castmates and your friends from it. And I think also um, the the farther away from it that we all get, it becomes even more nostalgic for me anyway. Because mm -hmm. you know, it's like thinking about middle school and high school for me, you know, and all those memories. So, you know, the theme for me from the show is is kind of like my high school fight song. You know what I mean? It's like those because <laughs> it was the same era for me. So it's always fun. You can follow us on all the various socials. Our website is whythepodcast.com and has all sorts of additional stories and videos. It's also where you can sign up for our newsletter. We're also on YouTube if you're into that kind of thing. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Because if you don't, we'll call your mother and tell her that she's completely right. You would look so much prettier if you smiled more. Why the Podcast is part of Mudhouse Media. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sovey and Sandy Stone. Our willing executive producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynth O Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?